Hey guys, Trevor Finlay here. Just wanted to say congratulations to Tony and Aaron on the 50th episode of the Wayback Music Machine podcast. Wait, am I reading that right? 50 episodes? Really? Wow. Make sure you crack a bottle of whatever and take a moment to appreciate all you've done. Keep it up. You keep doing them, and I'll keep listening. Hi there, and welcome to the Wayback Music Machine podcast, the show that takes a lighthearted look at the week that was in rock and roll history. And this is Rock and Roll Road Trip number 50. Woohoo! Happy 50th, Aaron. Happy 50th to you, my friend. Happy 50th. It took a while, but we got here, and uh, I, I didn't take that long in my mind. I, I, it just felt like we just started. I can't believe we're at fifty already. It just seemed to fly by. Well, I agree. I echo that sentiment, man. It has really gone quickly, and uh, here we are at number fifty. So big pats on the back all around. And uh, <laughs> I, I didn't. I when we started this, I know you, you were very confident that we were going to hit this milestone, and I, I was too. But I thought in the back of my mind, I don't know, Tony. We'll see. But here we are, man. This is great. Isn't that awesome? And uh, we've got a bunch of stuff on tap today. And let's uh, just let people know this is going to be a very different. Uh, type of episode we might be talking about some of the behind the stuff wow i can't even talk this morning (laughs) i'm going to leave that in actually uh we're going to talk about some of the behind the scenes stuff that we do and uh we're going to make a couple of big announcements and yeah it's going to be fun and we're going to be talking Beatles and elvis but uh, the first thing you know when we put this show together normally uh, I send you a chart. I do some research yeah. and yeah. send you a chart with a bunch of stories from every day of the week. And we pick and choose from that. And then once you've got that, and once we've decided on those stories, then we add our notes and you do up the charts. And this week we just focused on Elvis and the Beatles, but we're not going to, we didn't go into detail with our notes. We thought today we're going to do more of a conversation between two friends because one of our best listeners out there, Darren Douglas Danahy, he made a comment. Do you remember that? When he I said, do. I, I, do. I feel like, you know, I'm listening to a chat with two of my uh, good friends. And so we're going to let you in folks on the chat this morning. And uh, this will be a very different type of episode. I'm not going to add any road noise like I always do post-processing to create that virtual van effect. But uh, what do you think? How does that sound, Darren? It sounds amazing. And I just want to say, I had to say this, that I'm the Garfunkel in the stool because Tony does so much work prior and post. Like I, I feel I have an easy job. I look up charts, I look up notes, and I come and talk. But Tony really is the Paul Simon of the Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> duo because <laughs> he does. He prepares this. He prepares this great chart every week that I can you know easily. And we talk about what we're going to pick and talk about, and we do some research, and I do charts. But Tony adds sounds later, and he edits, and it's it, so just my hats off to you, Tony. You've done so much work for this show, and you know, without you, it would not sound anywhere, anywhere as good as it does. If if it, you know, if if it wasn't for you, you you, you really are quite uh, the George Martin. But I'm not the Beatles. I'm more Garfunkel. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you know what? You're selling yourself short, my friend, because. No, I'm uh, not. Uh, your uh, your expertise on all things, especially Beatles, but uh, on all things rock and roll, also makes this show what it is, you know. And uh, I think we we discovered really early on that we work well together. I mean, I knew right away the first time we chatted, didn't you? 
Oh yeah, I, I and we go back. I actually was interviewed by Tony for his first pod. What was it? Your first podcast? That was my first Dude. podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 such, you were such a great interviewer at that point, and we just had a really great conversation. And and I had never been interviewed, so it was this really weird situation. And and uh, but I thought, you know what? I really like talking to this guy. He was great, and we had a great conversation. And then, uh, yeah, we have a, 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 a we've we've got our working down to an art form because I think we're such good friends. And that developed after the working relationship, which is incredible. I mean, you're one of my best friends and, and oh, uh, same here, same here. Just fantastic. And that happened through the shows, So it's great. Yeah, exactly. You know, there were, uh, and that would, it wouldn't have happened uh, because of COVID would it? So there you go. A little no, bonus from no. that. Now, speaking no. of COVID, what a week <laughs> it's been because uh, both of us, caught the bug this week and uh, we've got our sexy covid voices for you here folks and and we're and we're 600 kilometers apart (laughs) (laughs) go figure eh? it's the weirdest thing so i had to laugh because tony let me know last week that he had covid and i think you let me know on on monday or tuesday yeah and wednesday i got it i thought (laughs) I can't, I don't think COVID travels through text, man. <laughs> That's right. It, you know, sharing a virtual van and you get COVID or whatever. That's right. But uh, should we just get the big announcements? I, I wish it was virtual COVID, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Should we get the big announcements out of the way? What do you think? That we're, that we're going to be touring uh, Australia? No, just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> sure. Let's do it. Well, let's do it because I've been dying to to say this for a while now. So, uh, you know, you and I have a lot in common, and uh, one of the we do. one of the big things we have in common is that we drum roll, please. I'll maybe I'll insert one in post right here, but uh, <laughs> and I'm going to leave that on as well. I'm going to leave everything in today so people can hear how we build the show. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Yeah, I um, like that. So our big announcement is that both of us are retiring from our day jobs in a very short period of time how long do you have left now oh well i i'm actually going to go longer than i planned but uh a few months but not too much I mean, it'll be this year it'll be it'll be september so oh yeah. you're going in september okay yeah yeah you know it's funny tony you and i i mean i've been at my job for 31 years uh well same agency different jobs but uh uh 30 it's about this time it's time to move on to something else yeah and i'm gonna be uh leaving the high school. So June 30th will be my last day. I decided to take early retirement. I'm going three years early, but you know, uh, COVID taught me a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I'm a cancer survivor that gives you a new perspective on things. And Cynthia and I felt like the time is right. And we decided we are getting off the treadmill. So very, very excited about that. Um, it has well, been. it means we could spend more time doing things like this too, right? And well, and visiting and hanging out and a real road trip. Oh, exactly, exactly. And, you know, uh, this has been a, an unbelievable couple of weeks too here because we're selling our house. I mean, it's all happening at once, right? Working on the house, getting COVID. I think I just let <laughs> myself get worn down. But uh, house goes on the market tomorrow. It's up for a week. So it's, uh, you know, good times. Yeah, it looks it looks amazing. What I've seen, it looks amazing, and um, I really don't think you have a worry about selling the house. And I think your new house looks beautiful too, from what you know, the pictures and everything. So, congratulations, Tony! You're doing a lot. And let me tell you, folks, 
this guy, between doing the show and teaching, painted the house, uh, did repairs, found a door that fit. There you go, Tony, the, so, the door it, thing. Exactly. But, you know, a lot of them, I mean, I would say the bulk of the work at the house here has been Cynthia because uh, where she's self-employed, she's been able to stagger her hours and, and have her employees at her business, uh, you know, pick up the slack. Yeah. And, and she's uh, so she spent so much time working on the house. But folks, if you don't want to be stressed, don't sell your house. There's the yeah. Wayback Music Machine podcast tip of the day. <laughs> I'm not, we're not selling our house for a while. So we're, we're, we're staying put, but, um, so that's, there's a lot of changes in your life, Tony. I mean, huge, huge changes, right? I mean, retiring is a big decision and it's a, and how many years have you been with the school? Well, I've been teaching for 26. So, uh, and at this particular school, 22. And you've got a great, I, we went, I had visited Tony. We were visiting Tony, my wife and I, Andrew and I, and we're out for a walk in Elmont. And this young, lovely young woman stops Tony. She loved. She was a student of his a couple of years prior, and I'm telling you, she really admired this guy. So he's really touched the lives of a lot of kids. Maybe the next David Bowie. We don't know, but uh, <laughs> you know, true story, man. It was true. Yeah, it's been. I've had a good run, you know. But then, all things. Uh, come to an end and and you know how in your gut you just feel it is time I you know I want to focus more on the professional music side of things and I want to focus a lot more on this and uh, it's just time yeah and we have and and it's good that we are young enough to still have the time you know you don't want to work until you're 70 and retire then you know we, we we're still relatively young enough to do a lot more things so oh that's right and i cannot wait to uh be able to do this with you a lot more often yeah me too me too so this is a kind of a landmark show right this is a huge 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 landmark show so yeah and it'll be about this time next year when we'll be uh, hitting episode 100 isn't that a, isn't that a thought we should do episode 100 live from um motown oh you know what <laughs> Not that, let's make that happen Okay, I'm in. Yeah, I'm write in. that down. And uh, Okay, well, you know what? Uh, we'll get started with the show in a second, but why don't we take a little break? We've got uh, messages from some friends and fans of the show that we're going to intersperse through the episode today, so we'll be right back. This is D.D. Danahy, member of Keldari Station, citizen of planet Earth, and fan of the Wayback Music Machine podcast. I'm here to wish Tony and Aaron a very happy 50th show. And here's to 550 more. So instead of doing the road trip this week, uh, what we decided to do is we've got a chart of two weeks worth of Beatles and Elvis, what they were up to. And we're going to take a look at some of these stories, maybe just comment on them briefly. But uh, let's take a look at what the Fab Four and what the King were up to. And we're going from... April 11th, all the way to April 24th here. And uh, pretty interesting stuff that happened. But is there anything that sticks out? Let's start with Beatles, let's say. Anything that sticks out for you? Well, I think the one thing that sticks out for me, I mean, well, there's a lot of stuff here. And, and this is the thing, folks, when we have to decide what we're going to talk about, because we only have a certain amount of time. But I kind of want to go to the Paul McCartney played in front of 184,000 fans at... Um, 
at the Mar- Maracana Stadium in Rio de Janeiro, creating a new world record. Because we had talked about, I forget who it was. Was it Tina Turner? Yeah, or Tina Turner had that Tina record. Tina Turner, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we had said at the time it was broken by someone who, you know, it was broken by Paul McCartney. That that was 184,000 people paid in Rio de Janeiro to see McCartney, uh, which, I mean, I can't imagine being in a population or in, in, a, in a concert that was bigger than the population of the three towns in which I kind of lived in when I was like, I lived in Whitby, Oshawa, Durham region, right? Yeah. There wasn't 184,000 people in that region. Well, you know what? You could put um, the town that I live in. I think you could put twenty-five or so of those inside that stadium. So <laughs> that is something else. But Tina Turner, she she packed in one hundred and eighty thousand for the old record, and then this one was uh, one hundred and eighty-four. So wow, that's amazing. Did you ever see the clip of Paul McCartney? It was it wasn't this concert. It was in the two thousands, and he was playing Rio de Janeiro, and it, it was the time of year where there's a lot of grasshoppers. Have you seen that? No. And, they, they, and the, because of the lights that McCartney had, there's thousands of grasshoppers start landing on the stage. Oh, really? And there's one that sits on his shoulder during uh, Hey Jude, and being a vegetarian and vegan, McCartney, of course, doesn't hurt any of them. And he introduces the grasshopper, gives it a name, and it's it's a really quite a cute clip. But oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. I would have been I would have been screaming off the stage. I would have been, <laughs> would have been running, batting things away with my arms, screaming for shelter. I I, I can't imagine anything I'd like less than being swarmed. I, it's like I just start it's like Passover all over again. No thanks. I'm just ah focused. No terrifying anyways that's what about you what story do you want to kind of uh well you know this is a big one it's uh the same thing april 21st but back in 67 is uh at abbey road studios in london the beatles finished the sessions for what would become their landmark album right sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band so they uh they completed the final recordings uh which was that short little section of gibberish and noise which would follow a day in the life in the uh, runout groove on the record um they recorded a bunch of noises and voices and then uh, jeff emmerich uh cut it up and randomly reassembled it i love how they did that back then they didn't do it digitally yeah. right they just cut it with scissors and paste it and put it together it's it's really cool but on top of that, they added uh, a high-pitched 15 kilocycle whistle, which only dogs can hear. And both of these things were, were not on the American or, for that matter, Canadian version. I have the British one, and I, I um, we had a dog, Benji, beautiful dog, and he used to go nuts at the end of Sergeant Pepper. Like it was, it was, it was kind of funny and kind of sad. Oh but, yeah, um, yeah. But you could hear it. I mean, I couldn't hear it, but a dog could hear. It. But have you, you've heard the gibberish at the end of Pepper, right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it was in the spirit. Can you believe, Tony, that it's April the eighteenth, or sorry, April twenty-first, that they finished recording the album? April twenty-first, and it's in the stores on June first. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? Don't you think? Like, I mean, you you know, they they mixed it in a day. Well, they actually had to spend two days mixing it, once in mono and once in stereo. But still, you know, wow, how fast things could move in the 60s that you could get an album in the stores, what, so May? You're looking at a month and a half for, for millions to be pressed up, right? Covers. And there was an insert. No problem. Adele clogged up the entire vinyl pressing for the uh, five six months i mean 
what the hell, right? So yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. But they're um, that you're right. I never I never really thought about that, but the the turnaround time is amazing. So some other great stories here about the Beatles. Let's take a look. We're just kind of scrolling through our our chart that we've got here. I mean, they started uh, a two week run at number one in the U.S. in 1970 on April 11th with uh, Let It Be and 19th here. This amazing, isn't it? 19th U.S. number one in six years. I know. And then um, after, so number 20, after Let It Be, Longer Winding Road would hit number one, which would be their 20th number one in the same time, Tony. Yeah, that is, uh, that's incredible. And again, you know, I don't think that people um, nowadays can appreciate the historical and cultural significance of these guys. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just, they, they changed the game in every which way, you know, it wasn't just music. It was a lot of ways. Well, even their Apple records, which I, which you got to note here about, they had the opportunity to sign David Bowie, who they turned down. Um, but having their own record company like that was the start. If you think about it, so here they're having number ones, and they have a, a record company. It's kind of an independent label, an indie label, if you like, you know? No, for sure. I mean, just so many milestones and during a very, very short period of time. Uh, six history. years. Six years, as you mentioned. Six years. That 20 number ones and changed the world. Yes, you know? absolutely. Uh, here's one. April 16th, 1964, they filmed the chase scenes for A Hard Day's Night with uh, actors dressed as policemen. That was in uh, an area of London called Notting Hill Gate. Uh, and in the evening, they recorded the title track for that Hard Day's Night at Abbey Road. So um, they came up with a title, didn't they, first for that song and then decided, let's write a song around that? Yeah, the title came... Ringo Starr was famous for... They called it Ringoisms. Okay. So what happened was they had they had recorded and worked pretty well up very late in the evening. And Ringo, they're coming out of the studio, and Ringo says, that's been a hard day. And he looked up, he saw it was night. He went, hard day of night. And he went, ah, there's a title, A Hard Day's Night. Uh, why not, right? Well, for sure. Well, the title grabs you, right? Because it's like, oh. Yeah, but then they had to write a song called A Hard Day's Night. I mean, I mean that's and then they wrote the song. You remember the story about how they wrote the song on the back of a match uh a matchbox or a matchstick cover? Yeah. So the producer you know, the producer says, I need a song. Next day, uh here, we got this matchstick package and we're gonna write the song. Okay, whatever, you know. Incredible, incredible. Any other stories on there sticking out of you right now that uh... Um Well, you know, I could talk about the Beatles nonstop, right? Oh, for sure. Um you know, there's uh, the Apple one, which I mentioned, where they turned down David Bowie, which I kind of thought was not funny, but, you know, kind of funny. Um, how, about, how about the in 1995 in April where Peter Hodgson, a fan from Liverpool, found a tape in his attic oh, yeah. containing 16 of the Beatles' earliest recordings made in 1959, which included Hello, Little Girl, the, uh, uh, the first song Lennon and McCartney wrote. But they also had the Beatles doing, you know, so this is 59. They've, they would have been the Quarrymen doing Hallelujah, I Love Her So. Um, and they, they, I guess he had gotten the reel-to-reel or the tape because the sessions had been made on a reel-to-reel recorder that his father, Peter Hutchins' father, had lent to Paul McCartney. Can you imagine? You're, you're moving. Can you imagine if you're cleaning out your garage, Tony, and you find, like, 
a box of Billy Joel demos or something. Yeah, like, honestly, I, I love when that stuff happens and you hear it all the time or you hear these stories uh, out of Europe, you know, somebody's moving um, a bureau or something and they come across a manuscript by Beethoven, you know, that, that <laughs> nobody knew existed. And, the, yeah. and it's like, wow. How long? How did you not know this is in your attic? Like, I'm sorry. I, 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 I know I have a lot of stuff in this house, but I mean, I know I would know if I had Beethoven manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> so I had an idea here. Yeah, because we normally do charts, and and folks, like I said, a lot of this episode today is going to be off the cuff because we just wanted to have a a good old fashioned chat, and we've got our coffees here. Um, Let's do a top five Beatles playlist. I know what your number one is. So, uh, you know, let's start at number five and let's just let's just talk about five of our favorite Beatles songs. So why don't you go first with number five? Just give me a song that you love. I, and like I said, because I know what your number one is going to be. Yeah. Uh, number five. Oof. It changes. So today, today, number five would probably be a song which is not... The most popular song. It's called "It's All Too Much." Oh, um, great I choice! I love that song. Isn't that a great song? Yeah, that is a fantastic song. Literally everything except the kitchen sink they threw in there. But what I love most about that song, besides the lyrics, I love McCartney's bass. Oh, nice! You, oh, it's just amazing. Well, he was a so, he's a ground baking uh, bass player, and and a lot of people, you know, maybe who are casual Beatles fans, don't realize how influential his bass playing actually was because you know pre mccartney the bass player just went one five one five you know like occasionally jumping to the four chord and um mccartney really wandered on bass when he played it it it's really interesting to listen to the isolated tracks of beatles songs and you hear what he's doing what about you where would you go for number five okay well actually i'm gonna go to number four so okay yeah we'll do it that way uh number four dear prudence one of my all-time favorite beatles songs um i love the backstory behind it how they wrote it while they were in india and um i love the groove of that song That's, that's just such a great great song in my book yeah from the white album um, the White Album has so many great tracks on it. I love Dear Prudence. And did you ever hear Susie the Banshee's cover of it? Yes. What did you think of that? Oh, I really liked it. I mean, I liked yeah. that. I liked that cover version. I like Alanis Morissette's. Well, you know. Oh, that's that. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You like her cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, she, she gets that psychedelic song. thing going, right? So. Who? Uh, uh, Alana? Yeah, Alanis. Yeah. Alanis. Yeah. Not Alana. Alanis, Aaron. Yeah, no, it's well because it is kind of a trippy song to begin with, but uh, I love that song. It's one of my favorites too. And again, you want to focus a bit on some of the drumming that Paul's doing because Ringo didn't drum on that track. That's Paul. Oh yeah, yeah. Now let's. Uh, what would you put at number three? For me, number three would be Penny Lane. Okay, I, I love Penny Lane. I think the use McCartney's use of lyrics on that song. You know, meanwhile back. And he breaks, and then in Penny Lane there was a you know I like I like when people play with the English language a lot, and I I I've always thought that the it's just he really sets the scene you know it's a very sentimental song without being sentimental you know, and some funny jokes in it too. Yeah, he has to keep his fire engine clean, you know that. <laughs> and it's got that famous uh, piccolo trumpet solo in there. Um, I saw the Canadian Brass a couple times do that, and they they play Penny Lane and put in that solo. It's very very fun. I, that must have been cool. Yeah, it was, was very, very cool. cool. 
Okay, let's. I got to tell you, a funny story. Before we move on to number two, yeah. your choice. The, but funny story about the song is that Paul McCartney has an alter ego. He's put out records under the name The Fireman since the 90s. And one of the albums he put out as a fireman was a great title called Rushes. And someone said, what, what, why Rushes? And he went, Penny Lane, the fireman rushes in. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. Isn't that great? All right, it was number two for you, man. Uh, you know what? Let's go uh, give a nod to Harrison with Here Comes the Sun. Uh, every time I think uh, that song has a lot of uh, meaning to a lot of people, you know, the springtime coming, uh, waking up from this bloody pandemic and the world re- reopening again. I think that should be the official reopening song after mm-hmm. COVID, you know? I agree. I agree. I know that they play it for a lot of people when they leave hospital from cancer treatment too. Yes, they do. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's a great song of rejuvenation, right? It's a, and it's a very hopeful, very, it's a beautiful piece of music and great lyrics. Good choice. Good choice. And number and you know, one. You know my number one. Yes, you know my I do. One. But uh, go ahead. Well, and that's an obvious one for Beatle fans, but it's a day in the life. I Again, we just talked about Pepper. I, I think that uh, that's a true collaboration of a Lennon and McCartney song. And uh, just how can you not love that song? The the I read the news today. I, I, I used to send out emails at work. I had to do an email every day at work saying all clear to all the workers. And the day after... The, the, the morning, the day after Trump got elected, I wrote, all clear, I read the news today, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Sums it up. Sums it up, you know? Yeah. So uh, I love I love uh, A Day in the Life. That's just, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know what more you can say about that song. It is the quintessential Beatles song. And uh, yes. Now, what do you say we take a short break? We got a couple more messages from friends of the show, and then we'll take a look at what uh, Elvis was up to. And I think we'll have a show on our hands at that point. So (laughs) we'll be right back. Hi, this is Bernard Fraser of Church of Trees. And I just want to wish my great friends, Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley, a hearty congratulations on this momentous occasion. What a huge achievement, guys. Really, really well done. And if you ever need another co-host, well, you know where to find me. Hey, Tony and Aaron. This is David Yazbek from the Thursday Morning Special Blend on CKCU. I'm so thrilled to wish you all the best on your 50th, and I look forward to many, many more, 50, 100. Uh, so so grateful to have been a guest and would be happy to do it again. Anyway, congrats. So welcome back. And, and Tony, we talked, to, we, we went through the charts about the Beatles, and you know, you're a huge Beatle fan, as, as I think people know I am. But we also have a mutual love of Elvis, the king. And uh, it looked like the Elvis, uh, the, the, the Elvis, the King, was busy during these two weeks too. What um, what stories stood out for you, Tony, in terms of Elvis Presley stories? Well, I'm going to start right with the first one here. Let me just pull it up because I this was actually in uh, the book that you gave me for my birthday. I'm actually on this part. Uh, I hit this part last night. So traveling from Amarillo to Nashville, uh, the plane that Elvis Presley was in developed engine trouble. And they had to make an emergency landing, and that created a fear of flying for the rest of uh, Elvis's life. And that that fear of flying uh, was pretty impactful on his career, actually. Well, Andrew, uh, you know, and he toured 
I think people forget that he toured an awful lot in this in in the U.S. Right? Well, in the U.S., that's right. Um, there's another story we'll talk about it in a minute that he had a secret visit to London. But uh, I, I was just going to bring that one up after, like, for my story. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but uh, this fear of flying and oh, he did tour a lot, man. You know, you really get that in the um, in the biography, right? Like they're talking about. This guy was on the road, uh, 1956, seven days a week, basically. It was insane. Yeah, and if he wasn't touring, he was either recording or working on one of his films or something. And and, and this is the work ethic that he had. And I don't think any of his music suffered for it. I'm talking in the 50s, you know? It's, it's yeah. one hot track after another. But yeah, he, he did develop that fear of flying. and, and uh, under, But again... You know, we're talking about a different time, right? Look at all the people who perished in plane crashes. Patsy Cline, Jim Reeves, Buddy Holly, the Big yeah. Bopper. You know, a lot of people. It wasn't just one or two. It was because it hadn't been perfected yet, right? No, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, let's talk about that story that you had in mind next. Which one was that? Well, it was a, a British guy by the name of Tommy Steele. Of course, I can't find it now. Cause, so in, in April 22nd, uh, in 2008. Oh, yeah. This it, is a great was, story. Again, how could how did this stay hidden for so long? But in 2008, it was revealed that um, Tommy Steele, who was a very, very popular British singer in the 60s, and an actor, actually, uh, took Elvis on a secret tour of London in 1958. They apparently had... Uh, struck up a friendship when um, you know the rock legend flew into London for a day. Steele apparently took him around the city, showing him landmarks such as the Houses of Parliament. But for fifty years, for more than fifty years, Presley fans had believed the only time Elvis set foot in the UK was a stopover in Scotland in March nineteen sixty. And the stopover would have been to going to when he did a stint in the army, right? Yeah. Back, so that's there. amazing. You know how on earth do you keep? Elvis Presley under wraps in London. I mean, he was the biggest entertainer in the world in 1958. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's actually frightening that you could do that. But um, I mean, he had to be in disguise, of course. I'm I'm guessing. Okay, but this this goes back to what we've we've talked about this before, Tony. That couldn't happen today. Oh gosh, someone, no. someone would have a phone out somewhere, and someone would take a photo, and it would be on inst- social media instantly, right? Yep. But that's a pretty a pretty incredible one. Um, you know, Elvis, like you say, the work ethic was unbelievable. He had the occasional uh, flop in his career. Here's one of them here. Uh, Elvis, with on April twenty third, nineteen fifty six, played the first night of. He had a, a he got a quick two week engagement playing two shows a day at uh, a hotel called the New Frontier in Las Vegas. I don't think people were ready for what Elvis was doing and uh, it just didn't go well, you know, but okay. So, but Elvis changed Vegas. I mean, you know, up until Elvis Vegas was the rat pack. It was, it was, uh, you know, Sinatra, well, Sinatra owned Vegas, but um, Sammy Davis jr. And, and, you know, (laughs) some of those rough comedians, but Elvis, he he. That was the first time he did Vegas. But he went back. And he, he from the sixties on. I mean, he did stints in Vegas. Right, they were amazing. Well, that's right. And and like you say, he became. I mean, the king of Vegas in the seventies and uh, unbelievable. 
the here's one april 22nd those famous uh music gates installed at graceland and we've got to go to graceland oh yeah 100 percent. i've got i've i that's a you know there's no question in my mind that we have got to get to graceland i i, I you've been to nashville i haven't and you've been have you been to memphis i have not been to memphis so yeah, I want to go to Memphis and go to the Sun Studios, right? Well, yeah. So you know what? When we do that trip, let's do both Nashville and Vegas in the oh, same trip. 100%. 100%. Uh, here we go. 62. Here's another one. He started uh, a two-week run at number one with Good Luck Charm. So how, his fifth number one of the 60s. Again, I think people forget that because he was so busy with his movies, right? I think people forget that he was big in the sixties. I think unfortunately we, we associate Elvis with the fifties when when really he had hits right up to seventy seven. Um I, I, I as a young as a young lad <laughs> as a young boy back in seventy one, I remember when um Burning Love was a big hit. I mean that was a massive single. And yeah. and that was that was the seventies. That was up there. You'd hear that on the radio alongside the Partridge family and Wings and, and uh you know, whoever, you know, the Osmonds were big then and the Jackson 5. But he had hits right up into the 70s. And in fact, when he passed away, uh, he had a single climbing the charts in the UK and Canada called Moody Blue. Yeah. And it was becoming a big hit, right? So, I mean, in 1957, he had an eight-week run at number one on the U.S. singles chart with All Shook Up, which became the biggest single of 57, selling over 2 million copies. But he also would have those kinds of hits in the 60s and 70s. And I, I I think it's we need to remember that. Do you remember, like, in the late 60s, when you had things like uh, In the Ghetto and, and oh. Suspicious Minds and Kentucky Rain? Those are all classics, and they were all hits. Yep, for sure. And speaking of hits, let's do, uh, let's do a top five Elvis Presley playlist. Um, I'll start this one at number yeah, five. Yeah, you start this one. Because yeah, I've got yeah, a yeah. number one in mind here. But... Okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm going to say number five in the ghetto. What a, what a great song. Yeah. I'd have to agree. That's a, that's a, that's a classic. You know, just the, the poignancy of that song and, oh, just getting shivers thinking about it right now, actually. And his vocals and his delivery and the production of that song are pretty, oh, pretty, yeah. pretty flawless. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I would go for number four. I'm going to go way back to uh blue moon of Kentucky. Oh, nice. I love that song. I love his take on that song. It, it's, it's, it invents rockabilly for all intents and purposes. I mean, he took a, a, a bluegrass song and put a rock beat to it. How do you do that? That's no, fantastic. exactly. Uh, I'm going to go for number three, Heartbreak Hotel. And I'm going to pick that one because that was an unlikely song for an emerging art form like rock and roll. And, you know, it wasn't the typical rock and roll song, but it became a huge hit. Yeah. It shouldn't have been a hit. No, I mean, it shouldn't have been, but it, it's such a great track. And again, it's the vocals, you know, for me, music is, is, is so funny because it's subjective, but it's also impacted by your memories. Right. And uh, my number two song, you're going to be questioning why I picked this as a number two. I picked it because as a child, all the way up, is a sing a song um, my mom loved, and we, I would hear it as a kid being played when she would pack my dad's lunch in the morning. It's a song called U.S. Mail, okay, and not one of his bigger hits, but it was big in Toronto actually. 
And I could still hear it coming up the stairs from the kitchen as my mom would. And she had a little record player and she would put on records. And she, she, like, I'm talking early. My dad was a firefighter, so he'd leave work early, leave for work early. And I, I just used to love hearing that song in the morning. So I, I'm going to put that there for sentimental reasons. U.S. Mail by Elvis at number two. All right. And for number one, I'm going to go uh, all the way back to 1954. Uh, some people say that the rock and roll era started with this happy accident at Sun Studios uh, when Elvis started breaking out into uh, an Arthur Crudup song called That's All Right Mama and Bill Black and Scotty Moore joined in and you had, you know, the proto rock and roll song right there. So That's All Right Mama from 1954, the song that really um, put Elvis in in the first spotlight not the biggest spotlight but the very first one his his music i i you know it, it, it you're so right that song just well i i used the expression before it, it, he, he kicked down some doors with that one right no absolutely absolutely now what do you say aaron that we listen to a couple of more uh, messages from some of our friends from of the show and then we'll be right back with some closing thoughts Sounds good to me. This is Jared Harris from Toronto's One in the Chamber. I want to wish a massive congratulations to Aaron and Tony for 50 episodes of the Way Back Music Machine. The big 5-0. Huge congrats, guys. Hello out there. This is Terry Draper, originally from the planet Plateau. Celebrating with you the 50th episode of the Way Back Music Machine Podcast. Congratulations to Tony and Aaron from the Pleiades. I like to go back to my youth sometimes. Well, this has been uh, a really fun chat and uh, I got to tell you, Aaron, this is therapeutic for me this morning because, you know, we have been working on the house nonstop and yeah, uh, have. putting long days in and actually going back to work tomorrow is uh, is going to feel like a break, to be honest. <laughs> I know those feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, folks, thank you so much for joining us. We made it to episode 50. Uh, you know, if you've got some cake at home, have some cake and, uh, I think I'm going to go make another cup of coffee here to celebrate. And uh, what about you? What are you up to today, Aaron? Well, I'm going to have an exciting day of raking leaves um, oh, because of the spring is here and I've got to start getting some. No, I, it's, it's a day off. So I'm going to hopefully get some music in, do some yard work. And um, I think it's a kind of a reflective day. You know, this is a big thing for me that 50, we've done 50 episodes and we've been doing this for over a year now. Yeah. And, um, you said this is therapeutic for you. It's therapeutic for me too. I, 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 the weeks we don't record, I really miss it terribly. Um, so this is great to get to, you know, to me, it's just chatting with my, my best friends. So what's, what's better than that? And talking about music, you know? Yeah. It doesn't get any better than that. And I'll be, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. yeah, I'll be working on the house, putting the final touches on it today before we move out tomorrow morning. Um, time for show time for show. Well, that's right. And, um, <laughs> next Tuesday is when we take offers but uh, 
We'll have to see about whether we're going to be one week or two weeks between episodes. That'll be a, a decision next week, depending on where we're at. I, I'm going to be living at a cottage near Westport, and it depends on the internet connection whether we'll be able to that's, record an episode next week or not. So. That's Westport, not West Point. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, folks, thank you so much for joining us on road trip number 50. We always are grateful that you allow us into your headphones every week. And Aaron, I am so grateful to have you as a co-host and a friend. And what a journey it's been up to this point. I, 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 I echo that. You, it's been an absolute privilege to a, get to know you and your beautiful family, by the way. Cynthia and well. everyone. And uh, what, a, what an absolute fun exciting and sometimes scary journey because we've figured things out and we've we've really done well and 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 tony my hat's off to you this is really thanks to you and i i really i i can't thank you enough and and uh just and those moments in the past and you know what i'm talking about in the past couple of weeks thank you for being there too so oh um, well and you, you know, know what right back at you because you've done the same for me so folks uh we will see you again very soon thanks for listening <laughs>